And good morning, everybody. Welcome into this special edition of the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM for Weagle Day. It's Weagle's 51st birthday. We're hanging out again back-to-back days in the Melton Student Center in the Bradley Basin Studios. I'm Griggs Blankberg. As always, next to me is Daniel Locke. And joining us today... Good morning. Joining us today is Mr. Jacob Hillman. He will be talking about what we're talking about in just a second. And half asleep over there, we got Logan. He had a long night. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. The moment everyone's been waiting for, we are having the debate to end all debates. It is going to be Daniel Locke arguing on the fact of the Red Sox versus Yankees rivalry versus Mr. Hillman on the Iron Bowl rivalry. We are going to flip Heads or tails, Mr. Hillman, you have the toss. So, one question before this. Do I get mm-hmm. to choose going first or second? Yes, if you I do. win this yes, you, If I win this If toss. you win this toss. Okay. So, you get to choose. Heads or tails? Good. Uh, tails. Heads or tails? It is tails. Would you like to go first or second? I'd like to go second. Mr. Uh, Mr. Locke? Hold on. <clears> let, me, <throat> let me pull this up. Let me pull up the debate format. Yeah, I, yeah, I, think, I think go ahead and we'll get out this. the format. Yeah, we will have the, the debate format for the first segment of this show, we will have a two-minute opening statement from each. Their first argument, which will be three minutes each, and the, the opposing side will have a two-minute response to that. That will be the first segment. Our second segment, they will get the second-minute argument, a two-minute argument for their second argument, and a other person will get a one-minute response, and then so back and forth, and then each will get a four-minute closing statement. Mr. Locke, you have the floor. Your two minutes. Oh, sorry. Let me get this right. Your two minutes begin now. Boston. The Old Town team. Baseball is a religion in New England. Its history richly inlined in all six New England states. On the other side, the New York Yankees. The most iconic sports franchise in the United States, bar none. I believe that the rivalry between these two great ball clubs is superior to a very, very capable second place Iron Bowl. And I believe that for the following reasons. The Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is more balanced. Despite the teams who have both won more, the Yankees and Alabama, having a similar winning percentage, there are other factors that make the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry more equal. These things include the postseason record between Boston and New York being even at 12, both teams finding frequent success at each other's ballpark, and Boston having a third of the championships that the Yankees have, as opposed to Auburn having an eighth, as many as Alabama. As much as I wish that is not true, I'm not a traitor. The Red Sox, number two, the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is bigger than a state. Just about everyone in all six New England states, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, Vermont, and Delaware, loves the Red Sox with a passion. Even though New York City itself is split, the Yankees have large pockets of following throughout that state, most of New Jersey, and all of eastern Pennsylvania, except for the few Phillies fans in existence. Once you leave the state of Alabama, Unfortunately, I wish this was false, there's not much representation of Auburn. Alabama has a following nationwide, but the vast majority of people will follow the college they attend or the biggest one closest to them. And number three, having a story to tell makes the rivalry better. The Iron Bowl doesn't have a curse of the great Bambino type story to tell. The Red Sox-Yankees rivalry has also been played more continuously. Although the Iron Bowl did start, about eight I'm, years. I'm er- sorry, Mr. Locke, your time is now up. All right, Mr. Hillman, your two minutes begin now. And this is a response. No, oh, this is your opening statement. This is my opening statement. Okay, two minutes. The Iron Bowl is the best 
rivalry in sports, period. And I think another thing to say is let, let's go through the top few rivalries in sports. I, I would argue that any college rivalry is better than any professional sports rivalry, whether that's Ohio State-Michigan, Army-Navy, North Carolina-Duke, whatever it is, it's better than whatever the Red Sox and Yankees bring to the table. And Daniel mentioned many different reasons for the Red Sox and Yankees being better, including being bigger. I don't think that's the argument here. That's not the argument. The argument is what's the better rivalry? The better rivalry is the Iron Bowl with the family connections, the, the ties to each other's players, the fans knowing each other, growing up together. Boston and New York isn't growing up as much together. I think that the Iron Bowl is a family rivalry. It's something that they just really, really do a good job at bringing that family tie to the football game. So you've got the families divided. You've got the families united and then neighbors divided. I think that is what brings together a great rivalry and is not a business. This is real life stuff. These people attended these universities. They attended the University of Alabama. They attended Auburn University. And if they didn't, when they were young, when they were four, five years old, you were picking one side or the other. And if you pick one side, your family really is proud of you. If you pick the other side, well, then that fall November day is going to be an absolute rivalry between those people. And that is my opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. Mr. Locke, you have your three-minute first argument. You may begin now. All right. So my first point was the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is more balanced. I believe this is true because, like I said, both Alabama and Yankees, the teams that have won more, they do have kind of similar percentages. However, the postseason matchups, the 24, I do believe those are the most important, and they are even. Also... As much as I hate this and wish this was not true, Auburn has not won in Tuscaloosa in 12 years. I know that's only six attempts, but it would be nice to see that be a little more consistent. Additionally, the championship disparity not being as high, one-third compared to one-eighth. So... That is why I believe it is more balanced. In addition, I'm going to kind of respond to some of the points that Mr. Hillman made in his opening statement. The first one being you are forced to pick a side and not stray from it. Is that what you said? I don't want to misquote you. Uh, This is supposed to be your argument, Mr. Lockheed. You're going to be able to respond next segment. All right. Then I'm going to stray from that because I don't want to misquote Mr. Hillman. So, Yankees rivalry, Red Sox rivalry, be more balanced. The Yankees can win in Fenway. The Red Sox can go up to the Bronx and win. This has been demonstrated for many, many years. Consistently, although the Red Sox had a long title drought, that doesn't mean the rivalry was still not competitive as they met in the postseason twice, obviously playing every year. And the Yankees have not dominated decades like Alabama or Auburn have. For example, we all know one of the best periods of Auburn for this rivalry was 2000 through 2007. 
um, six in a row at home, or, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say, then you don't really see that quite as much with Red Sox-Yankees. How much time we got? You have 45 seconds, and you beat it by Mike. Wrong Mike. In closing, the Red Sox-Yankees is more balanced for those reasons. I forfeit the rest of my time. Thank you, Mr. Locke. Mr. Hillman, your two-minute response to Mr. Locke's argument begins now. I don't think the balance disparity is as big of an issue in this because I think they're about even. You mentioned the ratios are a little off, but you also have to look at the fact that the last 12 years or so, 12-plus years, Alabama's had the greatest coach of all time. I don't think that because of how Alabama has trended these past decade or so. It's kind of like the Yankees did back in the 20s and whatnot. And since then, with how many games are played, that, that, that disparity shrinks a little bit. But I also look at some recency bias and the fact that Auburn and Alabama are very close since that first time ever in Jordan-Hare Stadium in 1989. It's 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 a completely different rivalry since then. Auburn and Alabama, Alabama only leads a series by about two games since then. That is a big number. You had the sixth in a row, sure. But you also had Auburn dominate in the 80s right after the Bear died. That is something that happens. It happens. You go on runs because teams have to rebuild. The Red Sox did a 100-year rebuilding. And... Like the, like the Auburn Tigers, a 50-year rebuilding since their last national championship from 1957 to 2010. I don't think that the results disparity matter as much in this because they're about even, and both teams, both rivalries, have great moments on both sides. That is what makes it the better rivalry is because well, look at the better moments. That is my response. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. Uh, Mr. Hillman, would you like would you like to begin now with your three-minute first argument? Yeah, I can do that. All right, your three minutes begin now. Let's look at those great moments. From the kick six to the run in the mud to the 2019 thriller between these two teams to last year's thriller between Auburn and Alabama. Those games matter so much more than other than the postseason, great moments. That it, it, it is better than any of the regular season moments because how much more this game matters when it is played. When this game is played, it has meant national championship implications, SEC championship implications. It has changed the course of these teams before. I really think that when you watch an Iron Bowl, chances are, you're going to get just an incredible game, an incredible finish. And obviously, like I said in the past 13 years with Nick Saban, it makes things a little more difficult if Auburn doesn't have its best season. But even when Auburn doesn't have its best season, like last year, sometimes you still get a great game. Look at 2009 between the two teams. Auburn, barely ranked, first season head coach, Alabama looking to have its first Heisman winner ever. Comes into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn fights till the bitter end, and Alabama scores a game-winning touchdown. That is a moment that lives in Alabama's history because of what the fight Auburn put up in it was. 
Then you look at Auburn back in 2004. That's an Auburn team that was just dominating, dominating teams left and right. And Alabama only lost by eight. It was a great game that Alabama didn't come out on top, but Auburn looks at it as a big win in that season. And hey, I would argue that that game potentially helped keep Auburn out of the BCS National Championship because of what Alabama did. I think Alabama fans would like to look at it like that, is that they kept Auburn out of the National Championship. But then there are times, like 2013, where teams play themselves into a National Championship, like the Auburn Tigers with the kick six. The kick six in itself was incredible, and the greatest moment in college football history. The greatest moment in college football history. And it got Auburn to a National Championship in Coach Gus Malzahn's first year as head coach. That is an amazing accomplishment, and it's because of how they beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. The next week, they go on to win the SEC Championship, go to the BCS Championship, and lose it. But you know what everyone still thinks about from that season? Is that Iron Bowl and that incredible win. I don't think the Red Sox and Yankees necessarily look at those losses. They'll look at a postseason loss and be disappointed. But in the regular season, no. It doesn't matter. Because you look at last year's for the Red Sox. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. Your time is now up. Thank you. Mr. Lockie will have a two-minute response, and then we will go to break. So my response is, this is both responding to his first, his um, response to mine and his first argument. So the biggest thing that I bring to the table here right now is the fact that when you play in the American League East division, these games become exponentially more important. I understand that they play a lot, but I give you the 2021 AL East standings in which the Toronto Blue Jays won 92 games but placed fourth in the division, missing the playoffs. The Red Sox and Yankees both won 93. The Red Sox won one more game against, they had the tiebreaker against the Yankees and therefore got to host the um, wild card game at Fenway Park. That's huge, and it was decided by a single game. So while there are a lot of these, I don't think that the argument um, of them not being valid is the right one to make. And you mentioned great moments such as the, the kick six, the run in the mud, even last year's Iron Bowl. And I agree, those are all great. And the Iron Bowl, a lot of times, does have postseason implications, like SEC championships, even um, national championship appearances on the line. But what about the years when you get a complete dud, like 2018 or 2020? Unfortunately, that happens more often than I think a lot of Auburn fans would like. But the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, you don't really get those. Every game is unpredictable. The Red Sox-Yankees rivalry has more walk-off wins than any other pairing of Major League teams combined. So it's always, you never know what's going to happen. And that's why I personally believe that that argument is right. And due to not getting our show in trouble, we're going to go ahead and go to break. Thank you, Mr. Lott. That will be your time. When we come back, we will hear both second arguments and both of these men's closing statements. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Eagles Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. 
and welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're still here. It's Griggs Blankenberg. It's Daniel Locke. And this segment, again, we are with Jacob Hellman in the Iron Bowl versus Red Sox-Yankees. Which rivalry is better debate? Let's just jump right into it. We have our second arguments coming up and our closing statements. Mr. Locke, you have your two-minute second argument, which will begin now. Thank you, sir. So... My second point was the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is bigger than a state. Like I previously mentioned, just about everyone in all six New England states loves the Red Sox with a burning passion. And I've personally experienced this, and it's just, there really, in my opinion, is nothing like it. Just the fact that a whole region of this great country supporting one team, and I just, I love that a lot more than you're against your neighbors, you're against your family. You're against a lot of your friends. And while the Iron Bowl is fun, I just like that whole area, the whole roads of houses, and you see nothing but Red Sox flags and stuff. And <clears throat> I just love it. It's the same thing once you move a little bit south from New England. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you have New York, New Jersey. <clears throat> My bad. Goodness. <clears throat> All right. Let me grab some water. All right, we're good to go. Um, as I was saying, I like that a lot better than in like you moved south a little bit. You've got New York City split, like I previously mentioned, but New York Yankees still have a majority of the following in the state, along with you know large parts of New Jersey, large parts of Pennsylvania. So I just like that a lot better when it's nation when it's just regional, as well as both teams being nationwide brands. Like, you can definitely make the argument that Alabama's a nationwide brand, but unfortunately you can't really make that argument for Auburn. So, you've got two teams that are both really loved within the region, but well-respected beyond. And I forfeit the rest of my time. Thank you, Mr. Locke. Mr. Hellman, your one-minute response to his Mr. Locke's second argument begins now. I think my response to that is simply, you get a love-hate from nationwide. Because Alabama's a national brand, you see how much people hate the Crimson Tide. And whether that's just because they're good or the history or it's Nick Saban, whatever it is, there are college football fans out there on the West Coast, in the Midwest, that hate Alabama. And they become passionate with the Iron Bowl because they want Auburn to win. And I think that makes it kind of the same thing. I don't think it's a fair contrast to make because – Everyone tunes into the Iron Bowl every single year, regardless of the records. I really think that those inside the state care about the most 365 days of the year, but those everywhere else care about it that Thanksgiving week. That's my response. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. You will now begin with your two-minute second argument for the Iron Bowl. That may begin now. Now let's talk about the fans, and specifically the fans. I think you've got the 95% that care so, so much about it. They are season ticket holders. They are alumni that have moved out and are following on message boards or on Twitter every single day, every single move, every single recruit that's visited between these two teams. And then you have the 5% that probably don't handle the rivalry the correct way. They really talk to people they, they, they talk to people the wrong way they 
in some instances, there have been deaths with this, in this rivalry because of this rivalry. And I think that that is over the top, but it does show what this rivalry means to some people. It quite literally means life or death for some people. And that's a little too far. But the fact that it does, I think, shows the magnitude of this rivalry within this state, wherever it is, because of what Auburn and Alabama bring to the table. Also, some of the best atmospheres in college sports have come from this rivalry. I mean, listen to Brian Denny sing Dixieland Delight between the third and fourth quarter. Listen or watch the Auburn fans storm Jordan-Hare Stadium and Pat Dye Field when they defeat Alabama. Those are moments that fans remember forever on both sides. If you go watch an Iron Bowl and Brian Denny, you will remember that Dixieland delight. If you go to an Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare Stadium, you will remember Auburn students storming the field. Is that your time? That is I will for the rest of my time. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. Mr. Locke, your one-minute response to Mr. Hillman begins now. Okay. So, you have passionate fans in the Iron Bowl, yeah. But when you're a Red Sox fan going to Yankee Stadium, you're sitting in the outfield, and you're walking into your seat, and everyone starts a lot of times friendly. Like It's kind of understood within people understand this is a friendly thing, and the A-hole chant starts. But moving on from that, when the Boston Red Sox beat the New York Yankees, there's a party on Lansdowne Street. That, that's the road that runs behind Fenway last till dawn. I bet in the Bronx there's something similar whenever they beat the Red Sox. Like this is a huge deal to a lot of people. And you mentioned the great moments. Like, yeah, I love the kick six. Great, great moment. I love all the ones you mentioned. However, Bucky Dent, just the DiMaggio brothers, Ted Williams. The Yankees-Red Sox rivalry has plenty of great moments that can at least hold a candle. Thank you, Mr. Locke. Your time is now up. Now each candidate will complete the their debate with a three minute closing statement, and Mr. Locke's three minute opening statement or closing statement will begin now. So, like I said, I believe that the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is more balanced for various reasons. This teams have won more. Yankees and Bama both having similar percentages. I believe that the playoffs record and the what they can do in each other's stadium balances it out as well as the Red Sox being able to have more championships to compare to the Yankees and Auburn can Alabama, unfortunately. And the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry being bigger than just a singular state, I believe, is more substantial, as well as the nationwide branding. And then having a story to tell makes the rivalry better. That is all I have. Thank you, Mr. Lott. Mr. Hillman, your three-minute closing statement begins now. The Iron Bowl might not be as big as Red Sox-Yankees. That I can't argue with. But I think the intensity and the passion that comes with the Iron Bowl outweighs Red Sox-Yankees and any professional sports rivalry by a long shot. Because you do have the passion coming from elsewhere. It's not just within the state, like you say. And there are people outside of the state of Alabama that tune in for the Iron Bowl and have a lot of passion for what happens in that game not like i said not to the magnitude 
that Red Sox Yankee is. But the intensity and passion wins overall. And I think you mentioned the names, Ted Williams, the DiMaggio brothers, there's Babe Ruth, there's the managers. I mean, all around them a rivalry. Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, Kenny Stabler, Joe Naiman, Bear Bryant, Pat Dye, Nick Saban, Shug Jordan. I can go on and on and on forever. Pat Sullivan, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry. And these names, these fans, embrace them. Whether they're from the state of Alabama or wherever. Gene Stallings said he recruited players that grew up hating Auburn. Because that's how recruiting was back in the day. Now, Nick Saban's recruiting nationwide, and these players are attending the University of Alabama. Auburn, not quite as nationwide, but they're outside the state, are recruiting players from Georgia, from Texas, from Ohio, wherever they may be, bringing them in. And they are learning about the rivalry and how much they they go from not knowing about it probably not be able to pinpoint Tuscaloosa or Auburn on a map, to hating the other school. And I think having that kind of sense with the players and the fans embracing them like that, that is something that you don't see with the Yankees and Red Sox because they're professional, it is a business, whereas these students, athletes, are going to the school that these alumni attended or with their classmates, and it just becomes a bond unlike any other. Also, one final point, this does expand to other sports. So there are other Iron Bowls, the Iron Bowls of basketball, the Iron Bowls of volleyball, whatever it may be, that fans tune in for even if they don't watch the sport. They might not watch volleyball. They might not watch soccer. They're tuning in for that Auburn-Alabama match in the fall regardless because of the passion between these two fan bases. And that is my closing argument. Thank you, Mr. Hillman. That will going to wrap up our debate. I want to thank both Mr. Locke and Mr. Hillman for coming on the show today. Well, Mr. Locke's always on the show to debate their points on which rivalry is better. I don't think we're going to have like a poll or anything, but just think in your head. Let us know if you want to tweet us which one you think who won. We're not going to do like a poll or anything like that. I think we could probably leave it up. I think we could probably leave it up to Weagle members. Maybe we could send out the link and maybe, maybe, ask, maybe ask Jack I'll, and a few others what they think. I'll let you two deal with that. But when we come back, we're going to do another discussion, just another random segment here for our Weagle Day special. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Alongside me, my good friend, Greg Blankenberg. Before the break, Jacob Hillman and I had a good discourse on which rivalry we personally believe is better between the Iron Bowl and the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. Now we are going to move into something that is a new thing for me, not so much for Griggs, Formula One racing. Still a little new for me, but getting into it a little bit more as the as it goes by. But Daniel, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Formula One racing now. There's a... The, the popularity of Formula One has grown in the United States, almost doubling what it used to be from due to the Drive to Survive series on Netflix, which Mr. Locke, what's, are you finished with season one yet? I am. How was that? What did you think? It was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really eye-opening. Um, exposed me to something I wasn't really as familiar with. I tried out the video game last night. That didn't go so well. Which one did you try out? Uh, I think 21. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it was on Game Pass, so mm-hmm. I decided to give it a shot, and that is the hardest video game I've ever played. Yeah, it is very, very tough to deal with. But, yes, yeah, so this week 
is the first sprint race of the year in Italy. They will be having qualifying here in the next less than 30 minutes over in Italy to decide who will be on the front pole for the sprint race, which is a format that F1 has introduced, I believe, last season, where there will be a qual. Usually it goes practice qualifying on Saturday and race on Sunday. Today, this week's, it actually goes qualifying on a Friday, uh, practice before tomorrow's sprint race, which the sprint race will decide the grid formation for Sunday's race. So it's it's a different format for this race this year. There'll be uh, three other tracks, but looking like if you, I don't know if there was any driver survive season one, but there's look like there's going to be rain this weekend, which if you, if you, if there was any of that on the season one, you know, believe so, you know, it can cause a lot of chaos. Yeah. Lots of chaos, lots of, especially into that first turn where you don't know what the grip's going to feel like on the tires and it's, you drive off and Lance Stroll or one of the Aston Martins hit someone and they're out of both out of the race. So, yeah, but Daniel, let's just take let's just forget about the race this weekend. Let's just talk Formula One. So far, after watching Drivers Survive Season One, who do you believe is your favorite driver and favorite team? Uh, favorite driver, definitely Daniel Ricciardo. Love that guy. Ricardo. Not just because Ricardo. Ricardo. Okay. Definitely not just because of his first name. He he's a baller. I love him a lot. I also like George Russell. Um, as far as teams go, like Ricardo drives from Mercedes. And, or McLaren, I mean, mm-hmm. and Russell drives for Mercedes. I think I like the Mercedes team better overall. I also like Ferrari. I hate Haas. You hate Haas? I hate Haas. I think they are losers. I don't think that they have... I don't think that they deserve to have a spot in Formula One racing. That is how much I hate Haas. I think that they are losers. I think that they can't do anything right. In the first episode... You lose two of your cars in one lap? Like, what are you doing? How stupid do you have to be? We now welcome on my roommate, Joey Ferrara. Is that how you pronounce it, right? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. I just want to say, good morning, I am a Haas stan. Oh, they no. are America's team now. Okay, then why do they suck? They're so... Okay, if y'all just looked, practice one just finished in the rain. Kevin Magnus in fourth, Mick in fifth. That's the highest they finished combined in the last two years. Mm-hmm. That that makes me think of season one, episode one, where they had their highest driving starts in years, and then that didn't go well, and they lost them both in two laps. Have they gotten better in the four years? I would uh, say this year definitely. The last two years have kind of been a waste. I, I mean, last year they were god-awful. Nikita Mazepin should be locked away in prison <laughs> for what he did to that team. But his dad's money helped them this year, for sure. And and they're still trying to fight for that money, which I thought is crazy. They're, they're not going to get that back. But, yeah, uh, Joey, before you walked in, he was saying his favorite two drivers were Daniel Ricciardo and George Russell. And you said your favorite team was what? Uh, Mercedes. <laughs> we, see, me and Griggs, we hate Mercedes. We'll stay we'll, we'll stay neutral. We'll stay. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let it slide for now. They're kind of behind right now. They're maybe the third fastest car. It's kind of crazy too. People are saying this is a very slow year for Mercedes, but then like they'll like George Russell's like finishing, um, he's finishing on uh, podiums, and then Lewis Hamilton's finishing fourth, like a couple times already. But they're right there. They're they're right there. It's just not the typical Mercedes dominance we've seen these past seven years. Leclerc might run away with this before Monza, in theory. Very fair. He's he has a um. Hold on, let me see. He has a um, he has a. I think 34 point lead over George Russell right now, which in is the driver's standings. He's second in that car. 
Yes, and then uh, George Russell in second with 37. Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, the other th- Ferrari in 30, th- uh, with 33 points. And Sergio Perez in fourth with 30. I know Checo's of someone that you are very high of, Mr. Checo. Joey. Checo is my, my top two are probably Checo and K-Mag, easily. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, your favorite team, is, you said your favorite team was who? I would say either Haas or Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be the same for me, too, just – uh, Red Bull, I like Red Bull more than Mercedes, and then just Haas because you know America's team. But I mean, as everybody's a Ferrari fan, um, so I, oh, I will always true. like to see Ferrari win. Anybody but Mercedes at this point. Very true. Very true indeed. So, fellas, let me ask you this: like, obviously, if somebody, most people, if they're going to be a racing fan in the U.S., it's going to be NASCAR. So, what other than the obvious thing, cars looking different, the fans being different, obviously. What would you? Th- what do you think is the biggest difference between F1 and NASCAR? I think just pure like skill, basically. I mean, with F1 races, you're like taking a bunch of turns, having to hit on the brakes all these different times, and m- generally speaking, most NASCAR races are just a full oval, and they're just basically taking left turns. I know there's a few races that differ from that now, but that is basically what the NASCAR race is. If you're um, NASCAR races, also can last anywhere from like four to five hours. It feels like. Whereas Formula One races, barring uh, Ash, Aston Martin spinoffs and disqual- uh, red flags, it can be anywhere from like an hour and a half to two hours, maybe a little bit more, two and a half hours. It's just, it's not like you're dedicating a whole afternoon to watching NASCAR or F1. You're basically dedicating most parts in uh, mid to late morning of your time for just F1. So that's why I got to say, Joe, you want it? I would say first off, definitely the skill, like, there are videos out there. Jimmy, uh, Fernando Alonso and Jimmy Johnson switched cars at a promo day, and Fernando drove the wheels off of the NASCAR because he's so used to being on the limit. And Jimmy Johnson, I mean, I like him, but he's not as good as Fernando, so he kind of meandered around the F1 car. So it's the F1 guys can push the cars all the way to the edge without going over. And then secondly, the money. Formula One just introduced a cost cap, which I think it's 150 million. There are some NASCAR, like independent NASCAR teams, spending maybe five to ten million on a weekend basis. Meanwhile, you have teams like Mercedes who are spending 400 million dollars in a year and reaping the rewards of that. It's just a different world, and it's a world spectacle. It's more exciting. Like you could ask Griggs, watching qualifying, it's exciting. Like if, so, if Saver Stappen's going for a late push lap, it's like the one in Jeddah last it's, year. It's exhilarating. It's crazy. But yeah, I agree with what he's saying. Just also like yeah, and think about it, Jimmy Johnson also drove IndyCar for a little while too. So that's he's not, still in that now. Not like not as the same as F one, but it's more like an F one car than the NASCAR is. Yeah. So he'd had some experience with an open uh cockpit four wheel car like that. Yeah. So it's still crazy to see the difference with that. But yeah, I think also just the popularity of Drive to Survive is just really just make made f1 blow up i mean i saw this the other day on twitter now i'm like a lot of f1 stuff uh the espn's rights which they basically got for nothing that was before, like six or seven years ago five years ago before drive survive really kicked off and now that they're espn's reaping the rewards whenever they're showing net the formula one races on main espn whenever it's happening so that comes up so it's gonna be interesting to see how, how much money these people are gonna throw at it this coming off season to get the rights for next season. No, and I don't know if you saw, but the race for Miami is going to be on ABC. Mm-hmm, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Central. And I just saw that the case got thrown out, so the race is going to go ahead. I don't think it really has much to stand on anyway. There's too much money to be made. Too much money. Money makes the world go around. Money is king. So, 
as I've started getting into this, one thing I've kind of noticed is just the fan. It seems like you are definitely targeting a different demographic. Would y'all agree with that statement? I would say in the past, definitely you're targeting kind of that affluent European who has the money to go to these races all over Europe and where there's a story behind it. But I think nowadays, especially with Drive to Survive, they're transitioning more to a youth demographic because of Netflix, because of the content they put out. And it's working because now we have three races in America. We have Miami in a couple weeks, Austin at the end of the year, and then next year they're going to be racing down the strip in Vegas. So their owners are American, so they're pushing hard for the American demographic, and it's working so far. Yeah, I agree with what he says. So, and obviously another thing Griggs mentioned is the tracks. Um, NASCAR does have a few road courses, but just obviously every week in F1 is what you would consider a road course in NASCAR. But you, you take that to the extreme, and that's kind of what I love so far as a, a very basic novice just getting into it is the just the unpredictability of it because mm. I mean you know what's coming as much as I love Texas Motor Speedway and Daytona and Bristol you know what's coming it's going to be the same thing in a few hundred yards as it was a few hundred yards ago that's definitely not the same in F1 mm. I agree with that I just like the fact that also it's like um yeah like F1 I mean you'll watch a course that looks similarly similar kind of easy maybe like in Australia this year that just happened or you then you look at like a course that's coming up like Monaco like if you're not in Monaco's if you win qualifying in Monaco you're celebrating like you won the whole thing yeah, unless exactly. you're Charles Leclerc then that means you basically have won that cuz it's so hard to overtake on some of those courses but you you ever seen the movie Cars 2 Daniel I love Cars yeah, 2 Yeah the the episode where they're driving in Italy that's the that's the F1 course Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. So that's Monaco, but yeah, I'll pay more attention next time. <laughs> there are very few actual racing scenes in that movie, but every single one of them is so good. I think they had Lewis Hamilton in that. I think they yeah. like Jeff Gordon it was hilarious. But yeah, but that's why they. I think F one's going to continue to grow this weekend on the wet tires, most likely, especially today in qualifying and tomorrow in the sprint race. Yeah, ten o'clock we got it's gonna qualifying. Going to be up. very interesting, things. but. I want to thank Mr. Joey for coming on. I'll let you go get to class or qualifying to watch whatever you got to do. Um, Dan- Daniel, I'm glad you're getting into Formula One. Hopefully you'll be able to talk more about this with me, potentially Noah, next year if we do something like that. But, yeah, so you want to take us to break, Daniel? Sure. So, once again, you're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. When we come back, Griggs and I are going to be giving what we think would be a suitable expansion slash relocation um, site for each league. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Alongside me, my good friend, Griggs Blankenberg. We've had a great show so far today. Jacob Hillman and I kicked things off with the debate of a lifetime on which rivalry we think is better between the Iron Bull and Red Sox-Yankees. Then we talked some F1 with my new good friend, Joey Ferreira. Joey, thanks again for coming on today. Of course. And now we're going to get into a discussion that's always fun. It's always fun to talk about this. We don't have a ton of time, so I'm just going to get it rolling. We are each going to be giving an expansion site or relocation site that we would like to see for each league. That is the NFL, NHL, MLB, and NBA. You want to start with the NFL? Sure. All right, you want to kick it off so I can try to think? I'd love to. So, the National Football League, I think that 
a good place for an NFL team. Oh goodness, that's actually kind of tough. Wow, I didn't. I was not prepared for it. Man came up with the segment. He doesn't know what to do. I didn't. I thought about everyone else. Okay, you know what? I got it. Give me Memphis. They support the Grizzlies. I think they can support football. Southern State you, love football. So you think Tennessee can hold two NFL teams? I 100% do. Tennessee's a wide state. Now, would this be a new team and you'd have to add another one, or would one of these teams leave where they're currently at? Oh, gosh. Another hard question. Um, uh, Relocation. Yeah, relocation. Could good. you say which Jacksonville? Do you think Jack? Okay, so Sean yeah. Conn's gonna move the team out of Jacksonville. That's the one. Right. Yep, Mr. Hillman. I also am looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, but what about London? That's what I've been thinking. That's what I've been thinking. London. That owner every single year, the Jaguars have played one game in London. Yep. Sean Conn owns Fulham FC, which is a football team over in London. Yep. So they get all that revenue if they build something over there in London. They what if they did like a the English fans would never have this, but a Football, football stadium that would yeah. never work. I, I really, I really like London. I just don't know how successful it would be. It's going to be interesting. That'd be very. I think at one point that I don't. This would be very hard to do, but I think a Super Bowl maybe in London. But that would be such a time thing. But still, there's so much money yeah. to be made in that market. It wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it would just be a Super Bowl at like noon for us. But the but the problem is with Jacksonville. If they moved to London, they'd have to do like three or four week road stints and then go home for a decent amount just True. so they could not get th- so thrown off with all this jet lag and stuff. But, Joe, you have an idea? Um, this might be a little controversial, but I think Birmingham, Alabama. They're, the infrastructure is there with the new Legion field. I mean, Alabama, if you put one team under this in this state, people will go crazy for it, I think, because they're kind of divided between, you know, you have the, the Cajun going to the Saints. Like me. Who that? <laughs> And then you have people go in Atlanta, you have the Falcons. Boo. Boo. Yeah, boo is right. But I don't know. I think Birmingham, or you could even look at Mexico City, where the Ooh. NFL is playing. I think that's a good that's one. Too. I think the next step is going to be international expansion, maybe even Toronto, we'll see. Yeah, I think that'd be very interesting with Birmingham, since they've hosted the AAF, the USFL, and the XFL. So getting all those expansion leagues in. So yeah. obviously they see some success with football there. But here's a thought. I like, bring them back to St. Louis. I, I could see that. I think they that team that's town got right. royally messed up over with with um, Stan Kroenke taking them to L.A. He, I mean, the city of St. Louis like gave them an offer. Like they told them, "Hey, we'll build you like a riverfront stadium and all this stuff." They said no, and they went to L.A. and they decided to team up with the Chargers, which I think was the Chargers' most stupid decision they've ever made in their franchise. Moving to L.A. when they already were doing pretty well attendance-wise and everything in San Diego, so. I think I don't, can't really tell. Probably maybe Jacksonville. I know Shad Khan has had an, had an interest in the Rams before buying the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I could see the Jacksonville Jaguars moving to St. Louis, and they can't be called the Rams anymore. But I could, I would love to see St. Louis have an NFL team again. Man, so we all agreed that Jacksonville would be the team to get moved. So in the interest of time, we're just going to do one more league. That way, we each have time let's, to elaborate on it. Let's do MLB. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that's um, a, well, that's the one league that we know can will. Right, absolutely. Because I was thinking that the NHL doesn't have any more room. Yeah, they're exactly. spread out coast to coast, up in the Canada. No, exactly. The NHL is complete as of now. I love it. Big hockey guy. And Big I don't think the NBA really has any team looking to. I mean, relocate. Seattle's pushing every single year, but, but you get to add another team in there, exactly. or someone has to relocate. Yeah. So. so MLB, I love New Orleans, party town, great baseball atmosphere. I think possibly. However, I think I'm going to go with Nashville. 
I feel like yeah. that they love the Titans. They love the Predators, which is awesome. Yeah. I really feel like like baseball state. I feel like they get behind it. And I think Nashville compares to New Orleans in the, for the reasons you said, where it's a lot of fun. People will visit there and travel there with Broadway right there. I do like Nashville a lot. I'm gonna second that. Nashville, this me and Griggs talk all the time. The Southeast needs another team. Yeah, because exactly. I cannot stand the people from South Carolina saying they're Braves fans. We need a team in that you know Southeast region. I mean, Nashville's a huge city. If imagine you have an All Star game in Nashville, it would be electric yeah. mm. for an entire week. I mean, look at the NFL when they did the, the draft, draft there. Yeah. The draft there was That's insane. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah, going off That's what, just a draft. Yeah, going off what Joey said. I mean, I'm looking at a map of the United States right now with all the MLB teams and the Braves literally have like the closest team the closest team to Braves. like North Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia of course, South Carolina, maybe even Arkansas and Louisiana. And why people don't like that, you've got to think that was what um Ted Turner was thinking mm-hmm. when he brought the team it's, to Atlanta. It's a genius and then the, they brought That's the smart. team there and then and Delta CBS. Delta and all that stuff, but the thing is with also like you think about oh Florida's got teams in the south. Well, the Marlins and the Rays are two of the lowest attended teams in baseball. You could move either one of them. And the I Rays really, are I think, good. It doesn't yeah. The Rays, yeah, the Rays are good. They the just Rays play in so an good. absolute awful ballpark. Well, I think what we can transition to now is talking about, I mean, y'all might have other selections, but I'll go ahead and say Montreal with mm. the Rays. Because be remember awesome. last year. They were talking about the split the season. Split. That, that was Weird. the stupidest idea. If you have two homes, you don't have one. Exactly. So I think that Montreal is the obvious uh it is the obvious choice. I, I like Daniel's idea of Nashville, but I think the obvious one is going to Montreal. I'm going to say something now that people will probably assume. This is going to be Charlotte. Yes, ready. it is. Yeah. Um, whether it be the Rays or the uh, Rays or the A's, I think Charlotte will ha- eventually have a major league baseball team. Rob Manfred said back in I believe 2018 that if this, the MLB was looking to expand anywhere, it would be three cities: it'd be Mexico City, it'd be Montreal, or it'd be Charlotte. And if you added one team, you'd have to add two because you don't want the Astros debacle where the NL Central had six teams in it and the AL, and the AL West had one team – or had four teams in it. Right. That, make, that doesn't make anything. That means now the Astros moved over. That's led to more interleague play. That's led to more of a lot of stuff. But I think it would be really hard to do, honestly, in baseball if, unless they had to add, like, a multiple teams just because that's – if you add one each, then it's kind of, like, lopsided in, like, divisions – so you have to play each team in your division a certain amount of times, which I, I love that the, the way it is right now. I think it had to be relocation, honestly, rather than expansion, just because of the fact that I love the interleague matchups. I mean, you're getting to see – I mean, the Cubs and the, and the White Sox play, like, one game every year. Now they play, like, a full series. Um, you have, like the, – um trying to think of other examples. Uh, you had, like, the Braves um, – who, who the Braves most recently played? That was in the um, – in the AL? In the AL. I thought it was uh, someone recently. I'm not sure it's been this season. I don't think we've played someone. Not this season. I don't think yet. Um, I don't know. I just love the interleague matchups a lot. I think it brings a lot of stuff that was back in baseball back in like 2010, when, 2011, 12, when they were Astros were moved into the AL West. So I think I would love one of those teams. I think those are definitely the two teams on the chopping block, whether it be the A's or the Rays. Probably the A's more recently, unless they can get that stadium. Because think about it. Oakland, if Oakland loses the A's, they've lost – the, they lost the Raiders, and they've lost the Warriors, and they lost the A's all within six years of each other. I think other. the A's are going to move to Vegas. 
I, that move is eminent, I think. Yeah. With that new stadium in Vegas, they were looking to move over I, there. Yeah, I think it, it. I think what it is, it depends. So the next expansion or next relocation city, it depends on who moves first. If it's the Rays, they're going Montreal, to Montreal. Yeah. A's go to Vegas because then you don't have to realign divisions. Yeah. The A's stay in the West. The, the right. Blue Jays are in the East. You move them to Montreal. Well, the Rays are in the AL East, which is crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Which then they'll stay in the East. Say they move yeah. to Montreal. So in the interest of time, that is all we have for this argument today. I definitely look forward to continuing this another time because you could talk about this for a whole show, I feel like. But once again, I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Greg Splankenberg. Thank you to Joey. Thank you to Jacob. Everyone have a great weekend in War Eagle. So are you walking back to the room? I'm, I actually, Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.